Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Glad you're here. Glad you're joining us. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are here with another great episode for you. Before we get to that, uh, we've had a lot of people who have been messaging us asking, Grant, how can we work together? How can we be a part of what the Speaker Lab is doing? How can we join your elite program? And so if you are interested in the elite program, what it includes, uh, what it entails, and how you can be a part of it, all you need to go do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply, thespeakerlab.com slash apply. And there you can schedule or you can apply to, uh, to schedule a one-on-one uh, -on -one call with our team to learn more about our, our elite program. Our elite program is basically an in-depth group coaching program and one-on-one -on -one coaching program that helps you build a system for finding and booking paid speaking gigs. So if that's what you're looking for in your business, then I definitely would encourage you to stop by, check out thespeakerlab.com slash apply, schedule that call, and I would love to chat with you. All right. So today we are having our co-host back in the, the hot seat here, Mr. Eric Ream. He's going to be, uh, we're going to be chatting today about the five common features for new speakers. So these are a lot of things that hold speakers back, that keep speakers from getting started. And so uh, we have a lot to cover here, a short amount of time to do it. So let's jump right in with Eric Ream. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast today. Excited to have uh, my co-host, Eric Ream, joining us. Eric is our uh, director of education with the Speaker Lab, one of our elite student coaches, and uh, excited to be hanging out with Eric once again today. Eric, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for introducing me as director of education. That sounds so cool. You know, you know, sometimes titles matter. And so I've been promoted. I'm honored to be the director of education, but I'm even more excited, Grant, that uh, my speaking business is going well too. And I, which is great because I think that helps me out as a director of education. It makes me very authentic that yeah. I'm using the same system that everybody else that's going through the speaker lab is using and the system is working. So I think that brings a level of authenticity when I'm working with students. So I'm excited about that. How about you? How are you doing? You are absolutely deep in the uh, the trenches. So uh, I know we are at the at this time, at the time of this recording, uh, it's fall and you've got plenty of travel going on. So you're uh, you're definitely hopping. So, all right. So uh, today we are going to be talking about the common fears that new speakers face. So you and I were both once new speakers. I mean, everyone starts from zero. We were figuring this out, figuring out if this is going to work, all the different fears that are associated with it, not only just as speakers, but as entrepreneurs, as we try to take this dream and turn it into reality. And so the thing is that all, all new speakers face a variety of fears that we've all experienced. So this podcast is to let you new speakers know that you are not alone. So we've, we've got you covered. There's a, a lot of fears to overcome, but we found that there are five common ones that we want to unpack and uh, just talk through on how to overcome come those. Eric, you want to get started? Yeah. All right. So let's start with the first fear. The first fear I think a lot of us face, I definitely face this when Grant, probably you did too, when you're just kind of, whenever you get this idea that you want to be a speaker and you think you've got this message you want to get out there, 
the first fear that you probably encounter is, does my message matter? So you have this message of burning within your soul, something you want to get out into the world, but does anyone really care? And the answer is probably, but you have to be willing to be flexible and experiment. So the only way you know if it matters is you got to get it out there. So I've got four ideas that kind of helped me along that I want to present and see what your thoughts were on this, Grant. But the first thing is, is if you are open to it and if you're a writer, then start a blog or you can start a, a video log too, a vlog if you want. But I look as a blog or a vlog as kind of like your workbench. So that was something I did early on that really helped me kind of figure out, is this message really working? And when I do a blog, it does a couple things. Number one, you will find that it's easier to write on things that you're passionate about and it kind of flows. So something magical happens when you get it out of your head, I think, and you see it out in the world. Even if it's just a blog that only your mother reads in the beginning, you're just getting it out there, right? But then once you start getting other folks that maybe start to follow your blog, you will find that people will respond. And so what I found is I, I start to see when I came out with my message and different things I was working on, certain people responded to certain messages. I'm like, oh, well, I got something here. Maybe I need to dig further into that. So that's one idea. Another one is uh, you just got to be willing to speak for free. So if you talk to a lot of speakers, probably one of the common things you will find is a lot of us spoke for free a lot at local community events. Maybe you provide a shortened version of something you're working on. So let's say you got a message and it's, you know, you think it's like an hour long message. Maybe you can go to a local event, maybe at a library or something and be a part of a bigger uh, event. Maybe you just present 10 minutes on it and you just ask the event planner, hey, can I, can I just have 10 minutes and, and try this idea? And don't be afraid of feedback, by the way. So when you actually get out there and you present this message, maybe to a friend or to over coffee or something like that, just be open to people are going to give feedback. They're going to give their thoughts. And that's a good thing. And then also just remember that your message is going to evolve and you got to be comfortable with it. So what I started with early on and what I have now is totally different. And as long as you're comfortable with experimenting and evolving, you're going to be okay. And so that are my, that's my ideas and how I approach it. What do you think? Uh, Grant, what's your thoughts? One of the things that we, we've said before is that whenever you're working on a new talk or you're developing kind of a new concept, it's really kind of an educated guess until you take it into the marketplace. I have no idea how this is going to work, how this is going to resonate. Is this something that people are looking for? And so the big thing I would say is, is to not be married to your message, to your, your, your what's the problem that you're solving the topic, or even who it is that you're speaking to. So you want to hold on to it loosely, experiment, be willing to evolve. And so you know, realize that you're not making a permanent decision. It's not like you're getting a tattoo. This is something that will probably evolve and change. And so, you know, whenever you, a, a way I like to think about it is if you have a, a, a DSLR camera and it's got like the, the old school lens on it that you're turning left to right to, to focus. In the beginning, you're making these big turns from left to right to get it to focus. But over time, you get more and more dialed in to the point where you're just making like very subtle little turns to the left or the right before boom, all of a sudden it's in focus. And that's really what you're kind of doing at the beginning as you figure out if your messages matter, if your, if your message matters and if it works in the marketplace is you're making these big turns, sweeping all the way to the left and then sweeping all the way to the right and making these adjustments of like, okay, here's a potential topic or here's a potential topic. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm really close with this, but here's a little bit like a, a slightly modified version of what it is that, that they're looking for. I found this message resonating over and over and over again to the point where you feel like, okay, I, I really have something. That's not something that happens in a vacuum. It's not something that happens overnight. And so recognize that your, your message may matter, but it also may take some time to, to figure out whether or not it matters. Yeah. That's a great analogy. On a side note, do you have a tattoo? 
I don't actually. My wife has one. She got one uh, a couple of years ago without telling me. Uh, really? Yeah, well, there's a story that maybe we should unpack someday. She went on a, uh, a girlfriend's trip and she got a, a little tiny one on her ankle. Uh, I was like, huh, okay. Um, it's, it's cute. It's fun. Awesome. <laughs> I don't have any. Do you? No, never took the plunge, man. Couldn't do it. It's too permanent for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Uh, it, looks, it looks painful, so I'll, I'll pass. All right, fear number two. Fear number two is, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And so this fear goes by a lot of different names. Imposter syndrome or people saying, you know, I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm not, too, I'm, I'm not qualified or any number of things. But it ultimately comes down to not feeling good enough to deliver a talk to an audience that will move the needle in some way in their lives. And so here's how you actually overcome that. One is to, to recognize that there is an amateur phase. Like you won't be the best in the beginning and that's okay. Like this is not, this is, this is true with, with really any type of skill that you're trying to figure out whether you're trying to learn how to cook or to play basketball or to whatever. Realize in the beginning, <laughs> the reality is that you're going to suck. Like that's just the way any of this works. Like it's unfair, unrealistic to assume that from day one, you're going to be a pro. And so realize there is an amateur phase. There's this transformation process that occurs as you speak over and over and over and over. And so, you know, if you want to get better, one of the things you have to do is to do it over and over and over. The way that you get better as a writer is that you write. The way that you get better as a playing basketball is that you play basketball. The way that you get better as a speaker is that you speak. The more you do those things, the more comfortable and the better that you become at those. Another thing to help overcome this imposter syndrome feeling is to having a, a true passion for what it is that you're doing. Like I know, Eric, we have people that students that will come to us and say, hey, what do you think I should speak about? Or what, what's a, an in-demand topic? Or what's a hot industry right now? And I know we always tell the people like, that's a horrible way to approach this. Like if you pursue something because there's an opportunity there or because it's a hot market or because you feel like you can make more money in that market versus a different one, but you don't care about the topic or you don't care about the audience, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to make a living at this or to, to even get booked. You're just pursuing an opportunity versus something that you actually care about. So passion really does cure a lot. So if you're speaking about something that you're passionate about, it's really contagious to the audience. It's, so it's important to ultimately speak on topics that you're passionate about. And the truth is like, Eric, you, you and I, we, we teach day in and day out students how to find and book speaking gigs. And we can teach a lot of the technical step-by-step of what people need to do, uh, but you can't teach passion. Like you either care about something and you deeply are engaged with it or you don't. So having a passion for, the, for your message matters. Uh, and then another thought would be recognizing that Everybody bombs. Every speaker, every comedian, everyone that you look up to, you admire, you respect, uh, I promise you that they have bombed. One of, there's a, a great documentary on this. I think is on Netflix. I've seen it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there, but it's called Comedian. It's uh, about Jerry Seinfeld. Have you seen it? I think I've told you about it. Yeah, I actually saw it because of you. It was fantastic. Yeah. And so the, the premise is basically like after the TV show Seinfeld ends, Jerry Seinfeld is still a working stand-up comedian and he still travels constantly and does stand-up comedy. And so this shows him after the show ends, he is at his peak in terms of popularity and uh, recognition. And so he he starts working on some new material for a new set. He goes and tries out this material and he's just bombing. And you, you look at him, you're like, this is Jerry Seinfeld. This is one of the, the greatest comedians of our time. And yet he is like forgetting punchlines. He's fumbling all over himself. And so you recognize that even the greats, it, they're still figuring it out. It's still a, a work in progress. So if you haven't seen that again, definitely go check that out. I go see comedian on Netflix. But just because you bomb doesn't necessarily mean that you're not good enough. You just have to expect it. You have to embrace it. You have to learn from it and recognize also there's a lot of variables and factors that go into 
when someone bombs. Sometimes it is you. Sometimes it's the environment. Sometimes it's the audience. You know, if the, the speaker right before you, or if the, the, the boss right before you gets up and tells the entire audience, hey, as soon as this speaker is done, you're all fired or you all get a 50% pay cut. Like the audience is probably going to be a little annoyed. It's going to feel like you bombed, but the reality is like you were kind of set up to fail. So recognize all the different variables and factors that go into whether or not what makes a talk go well with an audience. So those are a couple of things, thoughts that come to mind in terms of, of you know, dealing with that imposter syndrome. Eric, what do you got? Uh, well, I was just thinking about there's an um, early movie of Brad Pitt I watched several years ago and it was a movie. He was in a movie with Ricky Schroeder. Remember Ricky yeah. Schroeder? Uh-huh. I think it was Silver Spoons back in the 80s. But anyway, it was like they were both running track or something like that. And it was horrible. Grant Brad Pitt was a horrible actor. And I'm like, how in the heck did he become famous? Did he make a deal with the devil? What did he do? But that first movie, if you look at Brad Pitt then and where he is now, it's it's transformative. So everybody has to start somewhere. So I think that's fantastic. You talked about the amateur phase. In fact, looking back on my early speaking career, if I could go back and apologize to people that hired me in the past, I would because it's embarrassing to think about how I was back then and where I am now. But it's just a process that we all have to go through. And once you understand that and lean into it, you'll be fine. Now, I'll give you a little fun fact here about Brad Pitt. This is totally unrelated. But the reason that he became really good is because of the high school he went to. He and I went to the same high school. Ah, okay, Not at the same time. Very different <laughs> generations. But we did go to the same high school. So that's, uh, that's my little claim to fame. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about fear number three. So uh, fear number one, does my message matter? Fear number two, am I good enough? Fear number three, can I make a living doing this, Grant? So this is the primary question all speakers want to know. Is there a scenario where I can actually do this full time? Can I quit my day job and actually making a living doing this? Or is this just another pipe dream that ends in disappointment with my spouse or loved one saying, I told you so? You never had that, have you, Grant? Your wife, your wife. I, got, I, got a, I got a very supportive wife, but <laughs> I, I don't want to d- disappoint her. Yeah, well, that's, that's the case. I mean, I think everybody listening to this podcast, everybody thinking about speaking, I think everybody dreams doing this full time, right? And that's what we want. In fact, I'm happy to say I'm living the dream. So in a former podcast, you and I spoke when I actually left my day job. I did that this year. 2019 has been a transformative year for me. So I've actually done it. And so the answer is yes, you can definitely do it. But in order to do it, you have to become really honest with a few key things. And honesty cures fear. You have to be honest with your boss. Don't hide the fact that you want to speak. I mean, don't do this as like a side thing and nobody knows about and be afraid to let people know what you're doing. Just be honest and figure out where you stand. I know there's a new elite speaker that we just signed on. His name's Tom. And I know Tom has had an open discussion with his boss and has actually negotiated where he's only working four days a week now. And that fifth day, he can actually focus on his speaking. So Kudos to him leaning into that and doing that. I was I was same way with me. I was very honest with my boss. So you got to be honest with your day job and make sure that you are in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. The next thing is you got to be honest with your family. Let them know this is important to you and it's something you want to try. And so just letting them know, hey, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to try this. I had to do this with my wife, Grant, in 2014 and say, you know, I think I want to test this thing out. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some of our money. Are you okay with it? Don't do this around your spouse's back or your partner's back. You got to be honest with your partner or your spouse. The next thing is you got to be honest with yourself. Understand this takes work. So you must ask some hard questions like this. What phase of life am I in right now? So if you just had a brand new baby, right? And you have an aging parent that's living with you and you just started a new job and just moved into a new house. 
you got to come to grips with that and, and understand this is your reality. Do you have the energy and time to consistently put towards speaking? Because you, you and I talk about this all the time. Consistency is key. And so if your reality says you can't do that, be honest with yourself and ask yourself, can I do what is required? Then you're going to have to set your expectations correctly around, number one, your phase of life and your cash flow needs your job situation, the flexibility you may or may not have with your boss, and then your market, whatever market you want to go into, having a, a good, honest conversation with yourself, and you, we can help you with this as you work with us, the market you want to pursue, not all markets are created equal. Some market, markets pay more than others, and so you may have to just set your expectations. So if you want to make a million dollars in the first year and you're going to work in the nonprofit space or the faith-based business space, you maybe need to tamper your expectations based on your market. So those are the key things. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Grant? Yeah, I think having just proper expectations uh, is really, really key. And so we have students that will come in that have feel like they have super realistic expectations and some like you kind of alluded to who come in and who say, all right, I've never spoken before. I'm just getting started, not even sure what I want to speak about or who I want to speak to, but I want to make a million dollars in the next couple months. It's like, good luck with that. And the reality is that sometimes like you just don't know what you don't know, right? So I'll, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but, but just having proper expectations that you can make a living, but at the same time, it does take time to get there. So I have found that most speakers, it takes anywhere from two to five years to go from new speaker to being able to do this full time. Now, again, there's a lot of variables, a lot of factors that go into that. But one of the main factors that you can control on your side as a speaker is the financial side in terms of making sure that you're minimizing your overhead, your living expenses, making sure that you uh, are paying off debt. Like those things really make a big difference. So I think, I think about for me, when I got started, one of the things that my wife and I did is we followed a, a Dave Ramsey plan. We paid off about $30,000 worth of debt. It took us about two years to do so and decreased our living expenses. And so it made it a lot easier to then transition from new speaker to being able to go all in on it because we just had we had lower overhead at the time. And so that definitely made a big difference. Just uh, again, as something that we could control. And we were willing to make those sacrifices because pursuing this dream of being a speaker was something that I was serious about. It wasn't, it wasn't just kind of like, well, it'd be kind of cool. I guess it'd be nice. It wasn't like this pie in the sky, you know, something that maybe we'll get to at some point or something like, no, no, I'm going to make this happen. So how do I speed up the process? How do I make it happen? How do I accelerate it and make it happen even quicker? So I think just having proper expectations that you can do this, but it's not an overnight process. Awesome. So what's the next fear, Grant? Fear number four is what will others think? What will others think? So winning the approval of others is, it's a real thing. You know, being a, a speaker is no different. And oftentimes friends and families, they don't get it because your family and friends, they may not know any professional speakers. Uh, so a good intention family member might discourage you from chasing your dream as a speaker. So how do you manage this fear of wondering what other people think one is to don't take it personal. Like your, your, your friends, your family, they, they may not know what they don't know. So I think about for me, when I got started as a speaker, uh, I met a guy who was a speaker and that was kind of one of the first aha moments of like, oh, this is a thing. Like I didn't even realize, like I didn't see this on the menu anywhere. Like I didn't know that this was an opportunity, that this was an option. And so because I had seen someone else doing it, it gave me the confidence that I could do this. But 
to give, again, the benefit of the doubt, my family and friends, they may not have seen this other person. They may have just assumed that someone like a Tony Robbins is the only speaker and he has a monopoly on that and there's no other opportunities that exist. But the reality is, is like there are plenty of opportunities for speakers to exist in the marketplace. And so what will other people think? Other people may not understand them. Other people may not get it. And again, you don't necessarily have to take that personal. One of the things that the best things you can do that I've found has always been super helpful for me it's just to surround yourself with good people that support you. So don't spend a lot of time with, with negative friends, but instead find a group of people that support you, that believe in you. And so many times when you start a new career, you want to go to another level. You won't do it with the group of people that you're currently with. And that's really, that's just part of the journey. You may think about like where you're at in your career and friends that maybe you had, I don't know, going back to high school, that they were your, your buddies at the time, but they, you guys kind of ran at a different pace in life and now no longer do you really keep up with them. It's not, not that you're a bad person or that they're a bad person or anything like that, but you're just kind of running on, you're running a different race now. So surrounding yourself with other people who will support you, who will encourage you, who will believe in you. This is one of the, the key values of things that we do within the speaker lab, within our programs, within our elite program, within our books and paid to speak programs is helping you connect with other speakers because there are times you're just like, I feel like I'm making progress, but I'm, I'm discouraged or I'm lonely or I'm worried or I'm anxious or I, I got to win and I want to celebrate and I just need to give someone a virtual high five. And so being a part of a community with other speakers who are in the trenches with you who are saying, yeah, we're, we're, I'm doing this too. You're doing this too has been very, very helpful. I know we have a lot of speakers who tell us like just the community of speakers they're able to connect with inside of our programs has made the program that much more valuable because I, it's like I found my people, I found my tribe that I can connect with on the same journey. Yeah, awesome. I, when I, you were talking about people don't know, people think of Tony Robbins, they think a speaker. I think some people also think of Chris Farley when they think of speakers. Remember right, that you, right. Remember that episode, Chris Farley, the motivation lives in a van down by the river. Yep. And so a lot of people think, well, is that even a job? Is that even a thing? Like I understand that big time and your family, that they probably don't understand it either. Another thing I was thinking about was moving up. So I, I just uh, spent the last couple of days with my pastor this past week. We went to Nashville actually to a Michael Hyde event and my pastor came with me and he was talking about when he made the decision to be a pastor, he did it in high school and he actually went to the extreme and he moved in with his aunt and went to a different high school. I said, why'd you do that? And he said, I knew I couldn't be a pastor with my current group of friends. They just wouldn't, they wouldn't understand it. And if I was going to go to the next level, I had to, I had to change my friends. And so he literally moved out of the city, moved to a different high school because he knew he's going to a different level. And that just, sometimes that happens. You're going to have to upgrade your friends along with the journey because the group you're with now may not get it. And the last thing I would ask, are you a closet speaker? Meaning that if I was going to convict you of being a speaker, is there enough evidence to convict you? Meaning that are you willing to put yourself out there? Or are you willing to put a website out there? And are you actually willing when someone asks you, what do you do? Are you willing to say, I'm a professional speaker? Grant, I've talked about this before. I remember the first time those words came out of my mouth. I'd only spoken a few times, maybe one paid event. And I said that and it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. And I was yeah. almost scared to say it. You have to get comfortable with leaning into that. Okay. So let's talk about the last fear. Fear number five. Am I alone in this journey? Let's face it. To be a speaker, Grant, you got to be an entrepreneur. They're synonymous. And oftentimes that means you're a solopreneur. That can feel lonely. You've been there. I've been there, right? Sitting at home, staring at the computer, wondering what to do next, feeling the weight of the world coming down on you. The journey can be scary, frustrating, and a grind. The question that creeps up for many of us, is it worth it? 
First of all, yes, it is. There's nothing more rewarding than working within your passion. I can't express this enough. At the end of the day, your passion is going to fuel you for, for until you can actually, actually get cash flow. But the bottom line is that there's many people like you that are feeling the exact same thing. So you're not alone. There are so many like you. In fact, the Speaker Lab, and what is it right now, Grant? You've thrown out the number. How many would you say is in our community? Or could you just give it an idea, a range? Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you that, you know, we have a, a free Facebook group that I have, I think has close to 12,000 speakers. Uh, and then I know that we've worked with thousands of students. I can tell you just even on our email list that we have over 100,000 people. There are no shortage of people who are interested in speaking who are at all different phases of the journey uh, of being a speaker. So there, um, if you're interested in speaking, there's, there's people just like you who are out there as well. Yeah, and, and that should be comforting to know that there's 100,000 plus in the speaker lab community alone. And we're just one community. So my recommendation is you have to plug into a community. Why not the speaker lab? So good for you. You're already listening to this podcast. Look for other ways, maybe on our Facebook page to plug in, but plug in that community. But not only just plug in, but you need to contribute to that community. You got to actively contribute. It's one thing to be passive, but until you actively contribute, that's when you actually become a part of the community. You get to understand a little bit about you and understand what you bring to the table. And so go beyond online though. Just don't be online doing that. You got to go beyond that and actually meet up face-to-face with like-minded people. You can do that at conferences. You can do that at masterminds. Grant, you just went to a mastermind. It literally Mm -hmm. changes your thinking, right? When you get around people like that, breakfast, lunch, dinner with similar-minded people. In fact, you and I are just talking. Whenever I try to get in Nashville, one of the first things I do is try to have breakfast with you, Grant, because it always elevates my thinking just to be around people who are doing something similar to me. And then read books from similar-minded people. That's where you can actually get in the mind of the person. In fact, you're about to come out with a book. We're about to come out with a book, Grant, early next year. And so get stuff like that. And that brings you into that community. Any thoughts on that, Grant? Yeah, I would say the the power of your network can really make a, a massive, massive difference in your speaking career and your speaking business. So uh, I've always been very intentional on meeting other speakers, connecting with other speakers. You mentioned, you know, just the, the mastermind that I'm a part of. I've been a part of a mastermind for about almost five years now with a couple other entrepreneurial guys and nobody else is in the, the speaking space, but we get together on a regular basis. We talk on a daily basis of just comparing notes of, hey, here's an idea I'm kicking around. What are you guys working on? One of the things we do is every Monday, we ask each other, what are you working on for this week? What are your goals for this week? And then on Friday, we'll touch base. What did you accomplish this week? How did the week go for you? You don't want to, like for me with these guys, I don't want to be the weakest link. I want to show up and deliver. And so surrounding yourself with that type of community, I can even to the point that it's so important that to the point a few years ago, I came to an event uh, actually here in Nashville. At the time I lived in Missouri, uh, our family was there, friends were there, grew up there, came to this event in Nashville and I met a couple other people here and got my wheels kind of spinning and went back and, and mentioned it in passing to my wife, like, hey, what would you ever think of, of moving to Nashville? And she's like, yeah, sounds cool. And totally backfired. And here we are. We've been here about four and a half years now. And we love it. But the win for me, the, the reason I wanted to move to Nashville was because of the networking opportunities, because there were so many other people who were doing similar things to, to me, to what I wanted to do. And being around that is contagious. And so your network can really, really have a massive impact on being something that continues to encourage you to propel you forward and to remind you that truly you are not alone in this journey. So all right, let's kind of recap here to, to put a bow on things. So we've got, again, those four fears, these, or excuse me, these five fears, these five questions that we've answered. Fear number one is, does my message matter? 
we talked about you know testing your message, being flexible, willing to evolve. Number two is am I good enough? Being willing to go through that amateur phase, learn along the way. Fear number three is can I make a living doing this? Just being honest with yourself, setting expectations within that reality. Fear number four is what will others think? Surrounding yourself with positive, supportive people, being willing to upgrade your friends. And then fear number five, am I alone in this journey? So this is where we encourage you to be a part of the Speaker Lab community. We have plenty of, of free opportunities to do that. But uh, again, if you want to go to the next level, this is why we created our, our Book and Paid to Speak training program, our elite program, where we work with you and you are, again, surrounded by people who are in the trenches, who are building and growing their speaking business as well. So uh, Eric, any final words? Yeah, I was thinking about this, Grant, as we were putting this together. I remember reading Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. Yep. Read that? Yeah, so I, I read that book and I remember the whole idea about the resistance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we fear resistance and we see resistance as a negative. In fact, his premise says it's just the opposite. The resistance is actually a sign that you're on the right path. So whatever your beliefs, whatever you believe, when you're on the right path, there's a resistance out there that wants to get you off that path for whatever reason. So don't fear resistance. Lean into it. There's no such thing as life without fear. So the difference between someone who's doing something good in life and someone who's nailing it and doing something great is that those that are doing something great have learned to manage fear. So don't wait for a life without fear. It doesn't happen. What will you do today that's going to move the needle? That's how you battle fear is every single day just ask yourself, what can I do next to move the needle? So that is my challenge to everyone listening to this podcast right now that are dealing with fear, which by the way, is everyone listening to this podcast. Totally. My question to you is, what are you going to do today that's going to move the needle forward in your, in your business? And here's what I've learned, that fear always takes the back seat to action. So just take action and everything else will work into its place. Grant, this has been an honor hanging out with you as always. Always enjoy hanging out with you, my friend. And uh, actually, we are going to be uh, next week. we got another episode coming out that you and I are doing together. Let's just tease that. What are we going to be covering? What are we going to be teaching there? We're going to be talking about by far the most favorite thing, my most favorite topic, and the thing that got me to full-time speaker. We're going to be talking about how to create, develop, and manage a pipeline. It's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to that, my friend. We'll catch you on the next episode. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Ream about those five common fears that new speakers face, how to overcome them. Again, those fears are, does my message matter? Am I good enough? Can I make a living doing this? What will others think? And am I alone in this journey? And so, listen, you can do this. It is simple, but it is not easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. And so if you're looking for our help in helping you build and grow your speaking business, then definitely we would love to chat with you. Again, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply, thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a one-on-one call with our team to learn more about what we can do to help you, serve you and support you in building and growing your speaking business. So again, stop by, check that out, thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.